for 2018 to 19. Remember, when do you report your income to the government? You only currently, if you're reporting your tax information today, the information only contain your employment information from April the 1st, 2019 to 31st March this year. So it, it's never current data. It, it seems incredible, though, that uh, here in Hong Kong we can't do something to help the unemployed. I mean, amongst the poorest, the survey. Oh, we do have a system. We do. Well, have I know a we system. have the CSA, CSSA, yes. but we now have. I mean, that's for people who are employed as well can claim that. But we now have a whole new group of people who are facing all sorts of extra difficulties and hardships. And we don't seem to be able to help them. But you, mind you, we, we have less than 50% of our employees paying tax. So we don't even have a system that contains every employee's information. And that is the fact in Hong Kong. Well, if everybody pay tax, and everybody pay the tax uh, on the month they earn the salary, then we have all the data, and we can do it. Mm. We don't have it here in Hong Kong. But some of, the, some of the poorest people, the, the unemployment rate amongst the poorest uh, is around 30%, according to uh, one social welfare group. Well, so that is a non-random sampling. They're, they're, they're sampling their own clients. Uh, but if you look at the data of those uh, unskilled labor, you look at uh, those uh, uh, lower income groups and employment rate is slightly higher, but, but definitely less than 10%. Dr. Law, thank you very much for coming onto the program this morning. Always a pleasure to talk You're to welcome. you. You're welcome. That's Dr. Law Chi Kwong, who is Hong Kong's Secretary for Labour and Welfare. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final look at the markets for this morning. Uh, first of all, in Australia, the SX200 uh, is up about a third of 1%. The Nikkei 225 in Japan is down about 0.1%. Over in South Korea, the Cosby is off a quarter of a percent. Uh, looks like the Hang Seng is going to open up slightly about uh, 30 or 40 points when trading gets going this morning. Thank you very much for listening. Stay tuned for Back Chat with Hugh Chiverton and Anna Fenton after the news. The weather forecast for today, mainly cloudy, few showers, maximum temperature about 31 degrees. going to be fine and very hot in the next few days. It's 28 degrees right now, 88% relative humidity. Just gone 8.32, here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. Police have offered a new version of the events that occurred at Yunlong MTR station on July the 21st last year as they confirmed the arrest of 13 men on suspicion of rioting. They include Democratic Party lawmaker Lam Chirk Ting. Police now say there were violent clashes between two sides, not an indiscriminate attack by a white-shirted mob. The pan-democratic camp reacted furiously to the arrests and the new version of events put forward by police. They accused the force of trying to whitewash history. Council front law Maker Claudia Mo said the police were showing they believe they could act with impunity. They just issued their political statement. We are very correct. We are the law. If we think you are criminal, we arrest you. We don't need any particularly good reasons at all. We just do what we need to do and we can say what we want to say because we are the law. People living in the U.S. coastal regions of Texas and Louisiana have been warned to leave or face death as Hurricane Laura approaches, bringing winds of more than 200 kilometers an hour. Rick Rojas is a correspondent for The New York Times and is in Louisiana. It has really grown into just a beast of a storm with a storm surge that could approach as high as 20 feet when it hits the coast. 
with winds exceeding 140 miles per hour. And even here where people have considerable familiarity with storms blowing in from the Gulf, this is something that's really potentially calamitous. Most people are, are fleeing. They're packing up, they're getting their houses in order, they're boarding up their windows, they're loading up sandbags, and they're trying to get out of town. A 17-year-old has been charged with first-degree murder after two people were shot dead during violence in the city of Kenosha in the U.S. state of Wisconsin. President Trump has announced that federal officers will be sent to Kenosha to restore order after three nights of unrest. It began when police shot and seriously injured a black man, Jacob Blake. Local mayor John Ataramian has called for a better dialogue about racism. Kenosha is a community that in the long run will recover, but it will take time. It will take healing. It will make, require us to reach out to all parties of the community and actually have honest dialogue. We need to make sure that we help stop this divide and this anger that is going on in this country. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chewis and your co-host today is Anna Fenton. Anna, good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. And we're talking today about the latest COVID-19 measures and also about Shenzhen. Authorities have announced that some restrictions on restaurants, cinemas, beauty parlours and some sports venues will be lifted starting from tomorrow as overall the COVID-19 situation is improving. What do you think of those changes? Are they appropriate? What about schools? When can they go back? Should they be a priority? What about sporting activities and sports coaches? What do F&B businesses think about the latest COVID-19 measures? We're going to be joined, we hope, by uh, Executive Councillor and Catering Sector Lawmaker Tommy Chung to talk about that issue. And then after 9.15, we're going to be talking about Shenzhen on its 40th birthday. Let us know your thoughts, your questions and comments. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can call us on 233-88266, 233-88266, or go to our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. We look forward to hearing from you. Joining us for our first topic now, we have uh, Michael Maddis uh, from uh, Action Asia. Uh, Mervyn Chung uh, is joining us uh, from the Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Organization. Uh, and we hope uh, at some point uh, Herbert Chow, uh, a uh, coach. Uh, Michael Maddis, maybe we'll start with you. Good morning. Good morning, uh, you and Anna. Thanks very much indeed for, for joining us. Um, so you must be pretty pleased by uh, these. So Actions Asia, you organize um, uh, extreme sports and uh, outdoor events. So you must be pretty pleased by lifting the restrictions on the masks outdoors. Well, you know, technically you still have the social distancing of uh, two people max. So it's uh, you can't still obviously do any uh, large-scale events yet. And I think... The good news, of course, is uh, everybody who loves going into the country parks uh, can finally, uh, majority, I should say, re- remove their, their mask. Um, but uh, I think in general, uh, you know, I think a lot of the event organizers around are still hoping that something can be done similar to what was done in Chiang Mai just a couple of weeks ago where they had a, a fairly large-scale uh, trail running event with social distancing measures um, sanctioned by the government. And... Uh, Another one that just went off recently. Up how, how, did they, how did they do that? Did they have a similar kind of restriction on, on people being together? Correct. They, they ran uh, sets of four people at a time, so everybody was social, uh, spread about uh, 1.5 to 2 metres apart. 
four people going off in waves roughly every 30 seconds or so with the uh, electronic digital timing. And they were racing like that? Yeah, so everybody uh, arrived, uh, you know, face masks, um, hand sanitizers, etc. All their bits were sent to them uh, in the mail. And then they arrived. They were encouraged not to uh, stand near each other. And then everybody was told where they had to stand. And they uh, set off in uh, groups of four people with a few hundred people as a test event. And then the final event happened a couple of weeks later. Very, very huge success. And then... Uh, Another event happened just near Beijing with uh, up to 6,000 runners. Um, I don't have all the details on that, but they claim they had the uh, social distancing measures in, in effect. So in terms of Hong Kong, I think there still is a, um, opportunities to at least go forward with social distancing measures in effect. But I think uh, at the same time, it's uh, a step in the right direction, I believe, what they're doing to reduce the stress out there that everybody's uh, facing in society at the moment. There's huge ironies in all of this, aren't there? Because I live in the middle of the country park, and on the weekends now, the buses to the country park are standing room only with people touching each other, squishing in the bus, and then they get off and social distance. You know, uh, d does this not seem a little strange? Yeah, well, is that a case of uh, not enough uh, bus services to meet the demand or or what? You know, I, I noticed just um, running by the waterfront in the past year, I've been here 31 years in Hong Kong, and I must say I've never seen the waterfront as busy it is with people exercising from walking, hiking to doing outdoor kickboxing, everything. I mean, it, it's almost like uh, sports and health and wellness and fitness is just exploded in Hong Kong. Uh, at the same time, the people who, who earn their living from it, like yourself, uh, are in dire straits, presumably. Correct. I mean, you know, we've had no income virtually since uh, springtime. And, uh, you know, if you think doing a virtual event is going to pay the rent, think again. You know, um, it's really just a, a, a small token to kind of keep the, the people out there with a, a personal challenge to motivate them to... Um, reduce some stress, you know, as a antidepressant um, effect, you know. So I think for a lot of people, you know, they just are, you know, craving that high to, to do some exercise. So I think um, a lot of people have been a bit frustrated with the mask because they do reduce their breathing. Um, I think a lot of people have still not seen any real statistics from the Hong Kong government on, or, or maybe not the government, but the, uh, the medical profession on um, cases um, in the country park versus cases uh, in, in the city center. And I think a lot of people, you know, feel, even listening to some of your guests that RTHK has had on from uh, HKU on the chance, the likelihood of, uh, you know, somebody passing the virus when you're walking on a trail versus in a, in a, in a closed room in the city, you know, it's, it's obviously a, a reduced uh, chance. Well, there's an interesting statistic out of America, isn't it, that the choir practice, um, they were eight metres, well, the, 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 the one affected person managed to infect 30 other people uh, because the virus was found to jump eight metres in a singing situation. So I guess athletics would be similar in that you're forcing breath out of your mouth, aren't you, uh, uh, similar to shouting or singing. It is a, a potentially, I guess, if you're breathing hard, a more dangerous situation than somebody who's passively sitting there. 
Yeah, I, I think also for, for a lot of people, if, you, if you're talking just hiking in general, and it, whether it be in the city or country parks, I think a lot of people now that have, um, you know, been through what they've been through with COVID, you know, are trying to turn their face the other way. I see people, whether they're with a the mask or even sometimes without a mask, they and they're breathing heavy, they do they do politely turn the other way. So I think, you know, mm. we're all learning and getting through this. I, I haven't seen anybody uh, come close um, and breathe into my face, but I, I do occasionally see some people doing their kickboxing with their coach, you know, very close together. And I, 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 I read yesterday in SCMP, I'm not sure that's the best source, but it, it said something that the uh, it's not just in the country park that the mass is being lifted tomorrow, but it's also... Um, in general, maybe correct me if I'm wrong on that, but uh, I just wanted to uh, I think it's, uh, let me check the wording, uh, I think it's uh, strenuous, some outdoor sport, well, for a start, some outdoor sports premises, uh, you know, namely athletics tracks and sports grounds, tennis and practice courts, golf courses, driving ranges and practice greens, bowling greens, uh, cycling parks, Horse riding schools uh, and so on uh, will be allowed to uh, be opened. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so I think a lot of it, a lot of it is common sense. I mean, I think if you're going to be breathing heavy next to somebody just because the government has, has dropped the mask ban doesn't mean that you've got permission to breathe in somebody's face. I think we all got to use some sense and uh, okay, yeah. you know, try our best to keep the social distancing sure. measures in, into effect. Okay, this, this, is the, <clears throat> this is the wording. The government's amended relevant legislation to provide that engaging in any strenuous physical activity in public places would be a reasonable excuse for not wearing a mask to en encourage members of the public to engage in physical activities. So if you, yeah, wherever you are, if you engage in a strenuous physical activity, you don't need to wear a mask. So that would, most of what you do is pretty strenuous physical activity, isn't it, Michael Mavis? I'm in a small park as we speak, seeing some people clap their hands, and uh, I don't know if that's strenuous exercise. I don't, but, know, if uh, don't know how strenuous that is. But <laughs> I, I know you've got to go. Michael Maddis, thanks very much indeed for, for joining You're us. You're welcome. Thank two, you very much. 2338 is our number. Also joined now by Frank Fu. Uh, Mr. Fu is an emeritus professor in the Department of Physical Education at the Baptist University. Uh, good morning to you, Mr. Fu. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us today. Uh, what do you think of this? Uh, what, what do you read from this, the, uh, the measures that were imposed and the sort of easing of those measures? What do you, what's your reading? This is a month ago. It was shown to be effective, but you cannot maintain such a restriction for exercise for too long. The major reason is that uh, in order to have a normal immune system, uh, which is by far the best defense against COVID-19 disease, you need to have regular physical exercise as well as adequate sleep. So we need both, you know, and then so far social distance is maintained and things must are worn. I think traffic coaching in the gym and outdoor non-contact sports should be allowed. So we've got, talking of sports, we've got things like the Maclehose, uh Trail Walker coming up right. soon. Now, normally people would be training strenuously for this. It's the end of August. Um, you know, and we've also got, if we're talking about sport, we've got the Macau Grand Prix, which is still up in the air. How do you see this playing out over the next few months for these kind of events? I think some, some, reg uh, some regulation about, you know, crowd control in outdoor uh, Hiking trail should be should be should be planned. You know, instead of so many people crowded there, they should have some mass control. Uh, you know, measures. You know, so that uh, the the safety safety distance are maintained. You know, on all these uh, outdoor uh, facilities. 
so it's a matter of common sense then as well, right. really. Well, but you still need a government uh, to have put personnel there to regulate, right? So if you have too many people, you 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 don't allow them to go, so that they'll be packed, you know, on those trails, right? They they have numbers, you know, how how many people they can take on on a certain trail, and they should regulate, you know. So you think, just, uh, yeah. Uh, they, they, if they allow it to be free throw, it will be difficult with outdoor uh, all these outdoor activities, right? It will be so crowded. So there should be pat- them, yeah, yeah, should be sorry. controls, and there should be controlling uh, movements within the country parks and right. I think some, some 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 observe oh, some people should be there to 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 ob- as observer or you know to to maintain you know the safety distance are maintained, right? Have you found that people are more interested than usual in 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 exercise in one form or another at the moment? Because from the literature and from all this, we know that it's important to maintain a a, a, a healthy immune system, and uh, to do that, we need exercise and we need sleep. So that's that's the thing we can do because we have no medicine, we have no vaccine to treat it as so far. So people are aware of that. Most people are quite educated on that. So they are they are trying to lead a normal life. But now without exercise for nearly a month now, it will be difficult if you 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 continue this measure for another month. You know, and our health will deteriorate, and then and then with our stress and all this come along, and then you know our best defense against this disease will be gone by then. And what's happening with the with the professionals, with the professional coaches, and with the professional athletes? Are they? Uh, able to do I, their stuff. I think coaches can be more innovative to design program on the web. Or, you know, can you do that? Can you do coaching on the on the web? Yeah, well, uh, individually, it's uh, actually at home, you know. But you can do private coaching if uh, the safety distance are maintained, you know, in the gym or in outdoors. That's why a lot of people are doing outdoor uh, exercise because they can. Well, you know, two people, right? So you can have private coaching outdoor too. You know, if it's on a one-on-one basis. So you can design program for people to do at home, or do alone in the gym, or do outside uh, and outdoor alone. So that, that can be done. Coaches uh, are innovative, but I think traffic coaching is important for a lot of people. You can do in the gym if it's not too crowded, but you can also do outside. So. Do, do you know of, I mean, I, I know, for example, yeah. with my children, they do they can still do PE lessons and uh, through right. uh, you know online. And you have the teacher who's telling them right, to right. jump up and school, down. The school, the school teacher uh, offer that, you know, not a lot, but you know, maybe just uh, uh, every other day they offer that on the web so that students at home can do some exercise. Yeah, uh, you know, watching on TV, uh, uh, we can do that. But you see, the the key is that this is only a minimum measure because you need social interaction. You need, you know, uh, you watch your TV and watch it to do exercise. It's not quite. Uh, Quite, uh, quite uh, attractive, you know. So you, you, you know, you do have to do it live, you know, with a good social setting. Yeah, and obviously you can't play football. What, what about the professional athletes? Uh, what, what's uh, happening with them? They're training. You know, okay. you notice that in Europe, in America, they, they, they are competing. Although among them, they still have some, some, some people with uh, the virus, and they get separated. So I mean, professional sport are being uh, are now you know uh, are running. You know, they you know in the U.S. and in Europe, you know, soccer and basketball, right? Uh, they are doing that. They are you know, but uh, I, I think when they are training, uh, 
they don't wear their mask. But once they off the court, they wear their mask again. Mm. Okay, yeah. And, and sort of Olympic hopefuls, they're they're really in trouble, aren't they? Well, yeah, they're in trouble because when you are a very uh, top athlete, if you are out of of action or out of training for one month, it will take you three to four months or even six months to get back in shape. Mm. It's more than a, it's three or four times more than a normal person. You and I, if I we get idle for one month, it will take us another two, one or two months to get back in shape. But for athletes, at top shape, it will take them five to six months to get back in shape. Mm. Not to talk about the competitions experience they need. It's just getting back in shape it will take them five or six months. Okay, well, Mr. Fu, Frank Fu, uh, Emeritus Professor at the Department of Physical Education at the Baptist University, thanks very much indeed Thank you. For, for, for joining us this morning, 233-88266. The other uh, kind of angle we wanted to, to follow up uh, this morning, we kind of mixed bag, uh, is the question of uh, uh, education. Uh, Mervyn Chung joins us now from the Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Organisation. Mervyn, good morning to you. Hi, good morning. Thanks, thanks for joining us once again. Okay, uh, it yeah. seems that um, I, I haven't sort of kind of seen a... Uh, a sort of strict international comparison. But my impression is that Hong Kong was one of the first places to close the schools and there's no prospect, no immediate prospect, it seems, of the schools reopening, although I've seen a lot of kind of comment on this, a lot of people saying that it's time for the schools to reopen. It seems that we're particularly protective of, of schools in Hong Kong. Is that your impression? Yeah, uh, but uh, we need to... You know, get uh, you, we need to get ourselves flexible, yeah, to 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 the situation and also the um, the the exact needs and also um, the expectations of uh, of the, of the students and the parents. Now, with um, of course, are subject to careful social distancing and uh, protective measures to be provided. Uh, I myself, together with uh, quite quite a number of colleagues, uh, I've consulted are all for um, a, a reopening of schools uh, for several reasons. Of course, uh, uh, this can be done as, as soon as, as possible based on the experience in, in May this year when uh, class resumptions were done to, in a staggered uh, manner, beginning with, uh, uh, with the senior forms. Now, um, one thing is that um, for the senior form students, I think uh, they, they should be allowed to go back to their physical classes um, uh, as soon as possible because they need to catch up on on quite a lot of missing things uh, in relation to the preparation for the DSE examination uh, next year. Now, uh, uh, we understand that, uh, for instance, in the United States, many students have not accepted online classes because they think that uh, such a way of learning doesn't prepare them well for university admissions. And then for secondary one and primary one students, uh, well, may maybe schools can, can make arrangements uh, to enable them to become familiar with the environment and also the personnel, especially their teachers uh, in the schools, which are new to them. And uh, now, w one thing is that uh, for quite some time already, and uh, and probably you know, uh, long in, in, into the future. If uh, virtual learning is warranted on a continuing basis, uh, we urge that sufficient IT support should be made available to, to schools, especially the small and old ones that have only a very small number of uh, IT teachers and technicians to support the system. 
for effective uh, effective uh, online learning. Now, uh, it, it has been reported that the effectiveness of the online learning uh, from May differed quite a lot among schools. So we are worried that, that an attainment gap can easily happen over the kind of disparities in family and digital resources, which usually tilt in favor of students who, well, uh, you know, coming from well-to-do families. So uh, another thing to, that we need, uh, that, that needs to be heated by the education authorities is that the in-person classes are vital for students with ACN, uh, that is a special education needs backgrounds. Now, most families in Hong Kong don't have uh, expertise in handling children with SEN. So the longer it takes to reopen the schools, the more troubles that will crop up for, for the students and their families. So is there a case for allowing them to go back to physical education then? Uh, of course, uh, during this period, um, <clears throat> school premises are open. But then to, uh, the you know, there, there are quite, quite a lot of inconveniences you know, for, for normal counselors and uh, the, uh, you know, full counselling to, to be given. So uh, I think if, um, if schools can be, can be reopened to allow to students to come in uh, on a staggered basis, it's always good to resume the classes. And, uh, you know, from time to time, I think uh, maybe arrangements can be made to ensure that the school will only um, be serving students at any time in, in half of you know in half of the full capacity, and that will help to ensure that social distancing can be done to, uh, properly. So, how could this work? Could we have a hybrid arrangement where those that want to show up in person can show up in person, but the teacher does the lesson anyway, uh, which is also broadcast online? Is that the way forward? Yeah, I think so, because uh, on the one hand, uh, uh, this kind of in-person attendance can be arranged. And on the other hand, for, cl uh, for classes uh, which have not yet been resumed, uh, especially those for the, jun uh, for the junior class students, uh, there can still be this kind of on online op uh, operations. So that uh, taking all in all, uh, we try to minim min uh, minimize that the losses through the, you know, through the failure to, or the kind of inability to resume classes on a full scale can, you know, uh, that, that, I think uh, that possibly can, you know, can be uh, designed and also implemented. So you could do one week on, one week off then and maintain the distancing? Yeah, uh, several ways. Uh, either, uh, say, classes can be done to, uh, you know, on a half-day basis, uh, be, uh, with uh, senior forms taking some, you know, uh, more more of the days, and junior forms, uh, you know, few of the days, or they can be done, say, in the morning senior classes and afternoons for three days a week for junior classes. So there can be a variety of, of this kind of arrangements, which can which can be considered by schools and also the educational authorities. Now, uh, well, it has been reported uh, this morning that the Secretary of Education is meeting with uh, representatives from school, school heads associations. So I hope that uh, try, uh, such a, you know, uh, this consultative process can be effective and then to, 
the the ultimate decisions can be made to resume classes as, as soon as possible. Yeah, uh, although have you seen what's happened in Korea? Um, a lot of the schools reopened. Uh, at the end of uh, May and the beginning of June, and now there have been nearly 200 uh, staff and students infected in Seoul uh, just in the last two weeks, and they've closed the schools again. They've had to close them again. Yeah, that has happened. I've done research. I've done some research in writing an essay on on, on this topic. Uh, that is, uh, school report, the reopening uh, uh, worldwide, and it seems that uh, countries have failed in uh, effectively re- uh, reopening schools. Uh, do commit the the uh, the, the mistake that uh, they have not done uh, sufficient uh, protective uh, 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 measures for the students and also for for the teachers. So uh, all of a sudden they open uh, we open the schools and a lot of people, you know, front the school uh, without you know some even not uh, required uh, the students to to wear facial masks. So in one instance. Um, you know, uh, uh, students can simply put their facial masks at home and then go go back to schools as they did uh, in, in a manner uh, they did uh, say uh, last year or, or the years you know before last. So you know, in such circumstances, you know, things can easily go fraught. So uh, this is something that needs to be heated very carefully by the uh, uh, authorities. Mm. And uh, I also suggest that parents and teachers may consider taking the community-wide virus testing campaign that will begin in a few days, you know, to help ensure safety. Because uh, we as adults uh, have, uh, and educators have every responsibility to protect our students. Okay, well, Mervyn Chung, many thanks for joining us from the Hong Kong Education Policy Concern Organisation. Uh, CW says on sports swimming, a lot of Hong Kong's top swimmers who, who are not living at the Sports Institute have nowhere to train. Help them out. And also, uh, David says, under the new regulations, I note that outdoor sports premises involving little physical contact uh, and are not to be reopened. Why not swimming pools, he asks. Well, we're going to uh, carry on uh, with this topic. Tommy Chung, we hope, joining us after the news at nine. Uh, the weather, 28 degrees now. Humidity is at 87%. It's be pretty tough. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Bank Chat on a Thursday morning with Anna Fenton and me, Hugh Chiverton. We were, talk- we were talking about aspects of the latest COVID-19 measures, some easing uh, of those measures. Later, we're going to be talking about the 40th birthday of Shenzhen. We want to hear your thoughts as well, your questions, your comments. You can call us, 233-88266. We'll put you on air. Uh, or you can uh, leave a comment on our Facebook page. That's Bank Chat on RTHK Radio 3. Uh, or you can send us an email, bankchat at rthk.hk uh, is the address if you you want to uh, talk, communicate uh, with uh, Hong Kong, and uh, in particular with our guests. We were talking a little bit about uh, sports, and we were talking uh, a, a little bit about schools in the first part of the program. On Facebook, Howard says, if my gym doesn't open soon, I'm going to need a new to buy a new pair of pants. And uh, Nick says, Howard Elias, my gym had done a much better job at managing the spread of the virus than the government. That's uh, Nick's reading. Thanks very much indeed for that. Backchat at rthk.hk. We're joined now by Executive Councillor and uh, Catering Sector Lawmaker, uh, Tommy Chung. Uh, Mr Chung, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us now. So I'm not sure which hat you're wearing uh, when, you, when you're talking about uh, the, uh, the, the government measures on, on F&B. But let's just, I mean, uh, uh, do you welcome them? How do, you think, how do you stand on them? Do you think they go far enough? Uh, 
Of course not. Uh, in fact, uh, since uh, June, when everything quieted down, I have already started talking to the government that we should bring in measures uh, on a long-term basis because we're going to, going to live with this uh, COVID-19. It's not going to go away soon. And uh, see what measures or best practice that the trade can adopt so that if the worst scenario comes, like two, three weeks ago with over 100 cases a day, uh, we can still manage to open uh, between, you know, like 6 uh, in the morning to like 12 midnight. And for bars, karaoke's and the nightclubs, uh, they can have a 12-hour uh, working, uh, operating hours. So we actually come up the whole trade, including those scheduled premises, you know, the three types I just mentioned, that we're going to adopt the practice without needing the government to come in and put regulation. We can adopt it, provided the government could tell us, okay, you can do that in the worst case scenario, and we can still seat four, not two, okay? Four is a basic number, the very least uh, denomination that we can survive, um, you know, doing that, uh, seating like half, you know, with the uh, 1.5 meters apart, blah, 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 or with petitions. So you could, you could, you think you could survive under those circumstances with four per table? What, but still only half full? Yes, uh, that's what the trade uh, basically uh, come up with the uh, basic denominator, and even for bars, karaoke, and and, uh, and nightclubbing uh, at night, you know, they would think as, as long as they get like 12 hours between like 6 p.m. or uh, 12, 6 a.m. in the morning, as long as they're given 12 hours of uh, operation hours. But the measures actually we put in are, are quite. Uh, uh, practices that I call good practices, like, you know, all the um, glasses, utensils, you have to boil it or give boiling water for people to soak them, and even in the local cafes, the and also, you know, the cleaners and those who distribute your drinks and your food should be separated. If you cannot separate, if you only have one staff, then uh, after you clean the table, you should uh, wipe your hands. So we're also talking, which is, I think, uh, one important aspect is that we will all ask our customers to leave after they're there for two hours. So between meal time, drink time, uh, we would only um, cater to one uh, customer two hours. Um, I think that will actually cut down on um, the prevention of if, if somebody is infected and not knowing it, if you talk and, 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 and drink, and afterwards you keep talking, you know, and then your salivas are flying all over. Um, so that is something that we want to uh, maintain. Obviously, uh, we talk about uh, e-money too. If the uh, service charge is less than 1%, and we can get our money back uh, uh, quicker. So all these actually measures are something we have said uh, we wanted to do, um, put into you know our uh, good practices as long as government 
dollars okay, I'll let you have you know fall to a table. Um, and those working hours, that we will all the whole chain will work very hard uh, to to get these good practices and to help government uh, prevent uh, COVID-19. But Mr. Chung, isn't this ignoring the elephant in the room? Uh, or outside the room, which is the landlords. I mean, I'm hearing of several restaurants that are about to literally fold because of the uh, inflexibility of landlords who won't even give them a reduction over a period of time uh, or a rent holiday. I mean, this is the crux of the matter right now, isn't it, for many operations. They simply can't continue. Without, even if we don't get charged with rent, uh, if we're not open for business, it's not going to help us. Okay, rent is not the biggest part of our of our expenses. Uh, well, it's rent, about one third, at least, surely. No, rent is about fifteen to twenty percent. Really, what of, happened to thirty-three, thirty-three, thirty-three for uh, restaurant operating staff, well, supplies, yeah. and rent? Okay, uh, it, it doesn't add up. Okay, um, the food cost is a big item. So, uh, the salary is a big item. Salary is one-third. Food cost is at least one-third. And we have other um, utilities, blah, blah, blah. So uh, rent doesn't add up to one-third. The retailers, yes, not the restaurateurs, okay? But having said that, I'm not defending uh, landlords. There is nothing in the law book that can tell the landlords uh, that you cannot charge rent. I went door-to-door, knocking on the door, since last September, and when I walk in, I use the attitude, I'm coming here to beg, basically beg for my constituents, that if you want to help us survive, uh, you are also a beneficiary, a stakeholder of our survival. Please help with rental reduction. Okay, they came up with, they were very responsive in the month of uh, February, March, April and probably May, but June, July, they see the money coming, the relief money coming from the government, they refuse. Even up to now, uh, uh, August, I have seen very few landlords willing uh, to do that, Uh, which is why I am going to introduce, I try to lobby the government, but I have not got any response from them. Uh, When the uh, LegCo opens up, I will introduce a uh, private member bill. Uh, asking the government to put in this 599-hour bill, you know, that if they uh, use that bill for COVID-19 or whatever, diseases in the future, they would have to uh, stop um, all the contracts, you know, from uh, being exercised, like the Singaporean uh, uh, law. Couldn't you argue that uh, you know restaurants do have a, a, a very big part to play in our in our society and in Hong Kong life, but bars, karaoke's, nightclubs—they're really non-essential, aren't they? And also, uh, although she got a lot of criticism for this at the time, uh, surely the chief uh, executive was correct in saying that behaviour at bars, where you get where you get, do get a lot of drinking. That people are going to be likely to be, how can I put this, less scrupulous in their observation of personal, of hygiene measures and so on, especially in a nightclub at two o'clock in the morning or was, something like this. Was about that, being too intimate or something? Something like that. Uh, I mean, when people drink, <clears throat> they behave slightly differently, Tommy Chung. So, you know, maybe, right, maybe I, you could apply this to restaurants, but really, do you need to have the bars and karaoke's I, and nightclubs open? I don't know about you, but when 
I drink, uh, it doesn't affect my behavior in putting my mask on, you know, when I'm not drinking. But I don't go to bars and, and, and clubbing uh, at, my late age, at my old age, uh, that late in the morning uh, or early in the morning. But I think uh, this is uh, something that I think uh, this time around, with the second shutdown for like uh, almost like uh, it will go to uh, seven or eight weeks, uh, I'm sure that bar owners and even bar operators and bar um, service people, our waiters and waitresses, would be more vigilant in asking the, um, the customers, you know, that they should put their mask back on if they're not drinking. Uh, when you sip a beer, you know, a, a glass of beer for for an hour, you're not drinking it, you know, you're not gulping down. It's not like chewing food. So I think they will be uh, more than happy to put that into, like I call it, best practice. But we counter that by saying uh, anybody that comes in, we only serve them for two hours. So they, there will not be a prolonged drinking. There will not be a prolonged socializing, um, etc. So we're trying to help out. I mean, every trait uh, is essential. In fact, this fatigue. Uh, on staying home and, and social distancing. Uh, now it's, it's actually uh, causing a lot of stress in our society. So to combat that, that's another way of um, helping uh, all of us to uh, combat uh, the fatigue. Okay, um, so just a couple of comments to, to wrap up. Will says, Tommy Chung should apply for the position of Mayor of Amity Island from Jaws. I don't know if you're familiar with that film. No. Tommy Chung. Okay, well, it's a very good film. I recommend that. Uh, uh, Will says he obviously does not have the interests of the public at heart. Shame on him. Uh, but Peter T says, my comment, which you read out yesterday, fell on stony ground as debate never reached the planned topic, is nevertheless still relevant. In summary, eating out is not a luxury, but essential for many, in particular for small families. In no sense is the current restriction of two per table practical for the smallest family, which needs three per table. Current rules ignore this uh, need with no sign of appreciation by the administration of the need for change. That's from uh, Peter T. Thank you both very much indeed for those comments. Thank you to uh, Tommy Chung. Uh, let, let, let me, let yeah, me respond uh, sure. quickly. Uh, people think that I completely ignore uh, the public health, you know, and the safety of the people. Uh, that's not true, okay? Uh, as long as we're doing our job. In fact, bars, clubbing, and all that, and karaoke's, they're not doing dancing. They are not having anything intimate. Uh, they don't have the light band. Uh, everybody will be wearing a mask uh, if they're not eating or drinking. And employees, definitely. They are doing extra on hygiene. Go and take a look at these karaoke before you criticize them for uh, being there or opening and let them open up. Okay, a follow-up follow question. This is, from, this is from Will again, who says, please ask Tommy about Starbucks in Seoul where many people were infected with COVID-19. Well, don't go to Seoul. Uh, that's the only thing I can uh, tell you. But tell me what about Starbucks in the rest of the world. They are all over the world. Are they all, uh, anybody that goes to Starbucks will be infected? Don't bring out one isolated uh, area. So now it's happening all over, okay? So it, it doesn't happen to other cities. 
Okay. Well, Tommy Chang, thanks so much indeed for, for joining us this morning. Uh, uh, just before we get to the issue of uh, Shenzhen, uh, quite a lot of comments on, on, on other uh, issues. Um, maybe first of all, one, uh, this is Mary responding to our dis discussion yesterday. Uh, she says it's a response to Paul in, in Taipo. We were talking about idling engines. Uh, Mary says, how about taking public transport, a green taxi or Uber? No more illegal than double parking. However, moreover, the issue is the idling engines, not the illegal parking. Healthy males pouting and waving their mobiles to show that it's a hot day, so it is their right to engulf the pedestrian with fumes. That is uh, from uh, Mary. Thank you much indeed uh, for that. Um, and uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Matthew says on Facebook, I love Backchat and appreciate Hugh and the team very much. However, the topics we discuss are always a day or two behind the news. By contrast, the sister program with the same format running at the same time on RTHK1 is always covering the news of the day and often breaking it. Today we should be focused on the Twilight Zone whitewashing of the July 21st attacks by the Hong Kong police force using alternative facts rather than yet again listening to Tommy grumble and tell us how much he's done for the catering sector. I understand it's not easy to do, but I hope this lag can be improved somewhat. That comes uh, from Matthew. And uh, Colin says, 13 months after the Yunlong incident, the police come up with a different version of events and a different timeline. Really, who's going to believe that? What we do know is that the white-shirted hooligans were clearly caught on camera, breaking down an MTR station entrance door, assaulting and beating passengers on an MTR train. Later that evening, Junius Ho congratulating the white-shirted hooligans for a job well done. Uh, also, after many months, the police had to admit they had undercover officers watching the white-shirted hooligans on the evening of the attack. New version of events, fact or fiction? That is uh, from Colin. Thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, and uh, uh, GT says, as is in reference to uh, uh, the earlier discussion, the argument about rent is ridiculous. If the percent of the cost is 30% for food and staff, then consider they don't need so much food when the customer is less. Thus, the rental amount is more than the original 30%. It's more like 80% of the costs in the current environment. Uh, that comes from uh, GT. And S says, for swimming pools, my guess is it's actually the changing rooms which are cause for concern for spreading the virus. OK, to our final topic today. DY says, finally, your show dedicates some time to discuss Shenzhen. As a government-funded public broadcaster, RTHK reports more on American and European cities than developments and news of our neighbouring city, which is deeply intertwined with Hong Kong's economy and Hong Kong people's lives. After all those years of a lack of reporting of Shenzhen's development by RTHK, now people suddenly wonder how Shenzhen has surpassed Hong Kong. What a huge failure. RTHK has not done its properly job. It's properly, uh, says uh, DY. And um, uh, Barbara on Facebook says, Happy birthday to Shenzhen City. I lived there from 1994 to 2005. When I went to there again in 2013, I was surprised it's fast development during the past eight years. Nowadays, much more moving on than Hong Kong. Really miss my life in Shenzhen since the borders have been closed, given COVID-19. Uh, Nig says, Barbara, what's stopping you from going there? Oh, yes, you can't use Facebook there. People still appreciate freedom of speech then. That's uh, from uh, Nig. We're joined now by Andrew Lung, uh, international and independent China strategist and former director general of uh, social welfare. Uh, Mr Lung, good morning to you. Thanks for, for joining us today. Good morning. 
Um, so we had we had uh, some uh, uh, events marking the 40th birthday of uh, Shenzhen, its creation as a, as a special economic zone, uh, and we have a new uh, a uh, spanking massive new crossing uh, with, um, by the way, the longest the longest tunnel in Hong Kong, uh, linking it to linking it to the Fanling Highway uh, and infrastructure uh, in the uh, in the far north. Uh, that being uh, opened uh, as well. Um, uh, what, what about the? Uh, we have a kind of curious relationship with uh, Shenzhen, don't we? Uh, it's it's kind of there, but um, despite what DY says, it's kind of not there, isn't it? Um, uh, how, what are your thoughts on you know Hong Kong and Shenzhen together? Well, I'm I'm one of those um, uh, who are old enough to witness um, uh, the birth of Shenzhen. Um, I could still remember when Shenzhen was just a paddy field uh, when I went across. At that time, I was a senior administrative officer um, and also had already experience in um, industry as the deputy director general uh, before then, before the birth of Shenzhen. And so there was a lot of um, operations, manufacturing, uh, that at that time was basically um, kind of um, uh, making uh, things uh, for international companies. They all shifted to... China and 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 partly to Shenzhen, um, but it's quite remarkable. I mean, less than forty in something like forty years, Shenzhen started in January 1979, and now there's a population of twelve over twelve million. Um, but most remarkable of all, uh, during this very short time, um, the GDP to Shenzhen already exceeded Hong Kong. Uh, it was already exceeded in. Uh, 2018. Uh, if, oh, even though, of course, the, uh, because of its larger population, uh, its GDP per capita is still below Hong Kong. Hong Kong's GDP per capita is 1.6 times that of Shenzhen. But um, be that as it may, um, a lot of the um, global uh, leading companies is also based in Shenzhen. Um, and also uh, quite a few are in the forefront of innovation. Uh, for example, the world's largest drone uh, manufacturer and designer uh, space in, in Shenzhen. Um, even though it started in Hong Kong, but it moved in Shenzhen and then has grown extremely big. And in fact, it's, it's bigger than any of the world um, um, uh, drone man manufacturers. Um, apart from uh, drone, uh, of course, there is a, a Shenzhen is a laboratory for a lot of the entrepreneurs around the world. I met um, uh, quite a few, uh, European, American, um, and uh, Southeast Asian um, startups um, and entrepreneurs, um, and who moved to Shenzhen because in Shenzhen you can find all the kind of uh, components, supply, uh, mini supply chains, um, just at the drop of a hat. Nowhere else in the world you can do this. Um, so I think that this celebration is really China's answer to a great deal of demonizing and also bad-mouthing about China. Um, of course, China is not in a, a bed of roses. Um, I think that the, uh, the problem lies um, in a lack of, of un, uh, understanding what China is all about. I mean, no country is perfect, and also a lack of understanding what Hong Kong is all about. There's a lot of talk about Hong Kong being self-sufficient, um, which has fed into this kind of movement of separatism and so on, as if Hong Kong could exist and could prosper um, as an island 
um, um, in the Mediterranean. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, if, if Hong Kong was divorced from the mainland, um, Hong Kong would not be what we are today. And the most Hong Kong could have achieved would be just like one of those tax havens um, in the Caribbean. I mean, so Hong Kong's inevitably intertwined with China, uh, with the good, the bad, and the ugly all coming. So I think that the inability to reach a more balanced field of Hong Kong, a more balanced field of Shenzhen, a more balanced field of China uh, have resulted in this kind of contradictions and confrontations. So what will it take, do you think? I mean, they have a great metro system. They have electric minibuses. In many years, they're light years yeah, right. ahead of us. What will it take for Hong Kong to sort of, you know, appreciate that they're not the country cousins anymore? Well, unfortunately, for the past 23 years, Hong Kong appears to be sitting on our lawn rows. And then I could still remember that Hong Kong always looked down uh, on the people from the mainland. And hence, uh, that fits into this kind of uh, contradictions and confrontations, um, as if the mainland people are second class. But that ha may have been in the past, because a lot of the people from the mainland, um, they are from the villages, and then when Shenzhen was a paddy field, um, in fact, um, China and, and Shenzhen and the coastal areas depended on Hong Kong to a large extent uh, because for the um, manufacturing, outsourcing, um, for even some of the uh, technicians and, and professionals. But, uh, but China has been uh, growing so rapidly uh, and then in so many different directions. Uh, now Shenzhen has almost been able to stand on its own. And Hong Kong's distinct advantage vis-a-vis uh, -vis Shenzhen um, let alone even Shanghai, is really Hong Kong's special status uh, under one country, two systems, even though uh, it's subject to a lot of battering uh, in recent years. But still, Hong Kong is very, very different. I mean, um, even with the passage of the national security law, so, so talked about, um, and then all, you, all it takes is for you to step over to Shenzhen, and you can realize you know, Hong Kong, and uh, uh, how Shenzhen is different, how Shenzhen is ahead, but how, how Hong Kong is different from Shenzhen, uh, with the kind of freedoms, with the kind of um, judicial um, 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 independence of the judiciary, which could never uh, obtain uh, on the mainland, because mainland system is different. Yeah, we, I mean, so we have these, you know, these links, uh, the, the, the latest one, the latest uh, massive uh, crossing just opened uh, this week. We have the, we, we have the Bay Area Bridge and, and so on now. Uh, and uh, in, in general, we have all kinds of transport uh, links um, facilitating contact uh, between Hong Kong and, and the Greater Bay Area and just the whole idea of the Greater Bay Area and Shenzhen playing a distinct role within that Greater Bay Area along with Guangzhou, along with Hong Kong and Zhuhai and, uh, and so on. Uh, a different kind of uh, ball game. Do you think? Do you think are Hong Kong people going to bite? Uh, that's really the question, isn't it? Whether that uh, that Greater Bay Area uh, is going to be effective. Whether uh, you think people, especially young people, are going to be thinking of opportunities in the Greater Bay Area and are going to think in terms of a Greater Bay Area as much as they think in terms of a city that they live in now. Well, your reference to the Greater Bay Area hits the nail on the head. Because this is precisely the point. It's not just a celebration of Shenzhen. I think the opportunity is taken to celebrate or to um, flag up the emergence uh, of this Greater Bay Area. It's not fully taken shape yet because 
uh, geography is only part of it. Um, and, and, and of course, the economy is, is also um, um, uh, progressing quite rapidly. Um, the Greater Bay Area has a population of 77.0 million, bigger than that of the United Kingdom, and it's 12% of China's GDP. And the air freight traffic is, bit, is much larger than New York, Tokyo, and San Francisco combined. Um, and it's got three of the world's top ten container ports, um, apart from the concentration of professionals, not only from Hong Kong people from other parts of the world. So I think that the Greater Bay Area is, is a great promise. But unfortunately, um, a lot of people in Hong Kong um, still are either um, not have a deep understanding uh, or have, have a misunderstanding uh, or even worse, fear of this kind of uh, Hong Kong being absorbed into the, the, the Greater Bay Area. Now, Hong Kong's advantage, as I pointed out, in spite of the fact that Hong Kong is not a manufacturing place. But nowadays, um, modern manufacturing uh, consists of many, many parts, uh, including um, uh, financial services and also uh, legal services, professional services. So there are a great deal of opportunities uh, there uh, if Hong Kong is fully taking advantage of, uh, of this uh, position in the um, Greater, Greater Bay Area and this interconnectivity. Um, because, um, well, for example, in terms of area, um, the Greater Bay Area is three times that of New York All right, Delta. Okay, okay, you can stop the advert. I mean, <laughs> but will people, will they? Well, I think that there's a lack of, a lack of knowledge, uh, relative lack of knowledge, relative lack of experience on the ground in the Greater Bay Area. And then the um, a relative... Um, so the answer is no, they won't. Was, well, the psychology is still rather resistant. Mm. I, I, I think a lot of Hong Kong people, uh, rather than seizing upon the opportunity, uh, remain fearful. Okay. Well, Andrew, many thanks for, for joining us this morning. Uh, International Independent China Strategist, a former Director General of Social Welfare. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much indeed. For, for uh, joining us uh, this morning. Uh, some comments to finish off. Uh, let's see, Andrew says, Dear back, back chat for kids now beginning exam years at schools and tertiary education application, why has the education department made no statements to the community in the, in the last week or so? Should at least have had a few different plans for the start of the academic year that depended on infection rate, surely. Uh, with so many other businesses also not allowed to return to operating with careful distancing, etc., it seems uh, it almost seems like nothing will be allowed until after the time when there was supposed to be an election to save face for that decision. Uh, that comes from uh, uh, Andrew. And uh, a different Andrew, Andrew Kay, says uh, on Yuen Long, so Matthew, who's commented on Facebook earlier, so Matthew is intimately aware of the facts of this incident, uh, question mark. And Mike says, this is a message to Claudia Moe, uh, who we'll, we'll try and get on tomorrow. But uh, in the meantime, Mike says, I take it you really don't like the police action with regards to the black and white shirt riot that took place last year. For decades, you've been in legislative council and haven't mentioned the police MO during this time. This is the way police have handled physical disputes.
since I've been here sometime in 1977. It doesn't matter who starts it or who got beat up or who won. You fight, you are bound over to the court, and the judge tells you that if you fight again within five years, you'll have a record and spend time in jail. The police are peacemakers. They're not the Justice Department. They follow their directives. As a legislator, if you didn't like it, change the directives. This is what the people of Hong Kong have had to put up with for years. Your concern has been universal suffrage to the detriment of every other injustice taking place in Hong Kong. It seems that you only speak out when it affects you personally. Uh, if that's how you think, uh, it, that how you think it works. As a legislator, you were supposed to look out for us, the people. Police haven't changed. Your perceptions of them have. That's uh, Mike's comment. Thank you very much indeed for that. Anna, many thanks to you. Uh, leaving now with the latest weather. Many cloudy with a few showers. Temperatures up to 31 degrees. The outlook fine. Very hot in the next few days. 28 degrees at the moment and a relative humidity of 85%. This is Dr. Thomas Chung. To identify asymptomatic COVID-19 patients in the community for early isolation and treatment, the government is rolling out the Universal Community Testing Program, which offers a one-off free COVID-19 testing service for the public. Throat and nasal swabs will be collected for testing by trained healthcare staff. For the sake of your health and your family, please join this free testing program. Protect yourself and others. Join the Universal Community Testing Program. 9.33, the news with Samantha Butler. Civic Party lawmaker Alvin Young is renewing calls for an independent inquiry into police handling of anti-government protests. He's accused police of whitewashing the past after the force gave a new version of events at Yunlong MTR station on July the 21st last year, saying there was no indiscriminate attack by a white-shirted mob on bystanders, but rather there were violent clashes between two sides. The U.S. government has sent more than 200 federal officers to the city of Kenosha following unrest sparked by the police shooting of a black man. Two people were killed during disturbances on Tuesday. A 17-year-old has been charged with murder. A curfew is in effect for the fourth night in a row after police sought Jacob Blake in the back on Sunday. And Hurricane Laura has continued to gain strength as it approaches the U.S. states of Texas and Louisiana, where half a million people have been told to leave their homes. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. A uh, sociology prof from the university. A set and costume designer and interpreter of Beethoven. To our oh-so-shy, quiet and retiring doggy council co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. Decipher what's happening behind the lift. Good morning. Inter interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning. Good morning to you and welcome to Thursday. Great to be back with you on Good Old Morning Brew. Steve Vines will be joining us at 10 minutes past 10. Join him live from his personal New Territories think tank. For this week's scores on the doors, we will be on Facebook Live. And thanks in advance for the comments. It's been really fun over the past few weeks hearing what